0: and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's everybody and welcome to this the latest edition of ESSR Feature here on Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and for this, our last show in February, we're going to be going through the Mount Rushmore of one of the most popular brands in professional wrestling. We're going to be doing the Mount Rushmore of NXT because it is 10 years now since NXT escaped that talent show run around the ring with things on your back format that was more like something you'd see on ITV on a Saturday night and replaced it with good quality wrestling. So to celebrate that, we're gonna be picking both for a male and a female, for top four all time from NXT of the last 10 years. It should be interesting to see to hear what our panel think of that. And before I introduce them for this particular show, just the usual housekeeping from us so please subscribe to us on all good social media channels or even all bad ones depends what you think about Instagram uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Suplex Free Tweet. Uh, please if this is the first time you listen to us hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice be it Spotify iTunes Anchor Podbean you name it we're on it we're also on YouTube of course where we've got great content coming out we've got we're in the middle of the bucket semi-final tournament which uh, David Hockney has advanced to the final who, who you face, it'll be me, Astra, you can find that out on our YouTube channel please tell me that's not out yet, but hey ho we've got loads of other yeah. stuff on that platform as well Conspiracy Theory, we Quiz Showdown coming up every month always on that platform loads of great stuff there so please check us out on YouTube so before we get on to the topic of course let's introduce our panel to will we'll be discussing this First, I've already alluded to him being on here, he's a man who claims to be a Mount Rushmore contender for this podcast, purely because he's been here since day one, but given the size of his ego he'd fit quite well on that big Mount Rushmore on the on the,
1: on the the hill. It is David Hockney. I do have an unnaturally large head, so I think it would be very suitable that uh, it gets planted all over a stone, stone mountain. <laughs> ah,
0: fair enough man. Taking it in the spirit, that's good.
1: Uh, uh, can I just point out, I am feeling very sensitive this week and I think we all know why. So, at the minute, I'm not leaving the memories alone, and if there's anything we... If there's anything we reiterate on NXT, it is don't trust the watermark. Uh, yeah, I've obviously
2: have that for the past three years.
0: For, for anybody who obviously can't see David as wearing his Shock the System t shirts you know, because his system was thoroughly shocked during the last NXT TakeOver show. So, mm-hmm.
1: if, David picks
0: Co- if David picks Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, and Strong, he can leave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, uh, spoiler alert, that's not the case.
0: Uh, uh, next up is someone who could also claim to be on a female version of a Mount Rushmore, but that's not too hard. We've barely even had four female panellists in our time in this podcast. So I say to everybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, now we have four women. Now we do. So I feel like, you know, we'll always be the Mount Rushmore of Scottish wrestling podcasts. Hell yeah
0: you, you may even I get in With the main version You know You've been on this podcast For a long I was that gonna
2: say Like in comparison To the best of you lot Me and Stacey Do deserve to be up there
0: Ah uh, fair enough Fair enough mm. uh, Our next panelist Is a man who definitely Claims to be on our version Of Mount Rushmore Because he's won That many quizzes Sweeps And anything else That involves things That show that His lack of social life It's fair to say It's Scott
3: McLeod Everybody <laughs> Who needs a social life when your face is up there on the big mountain among, above everybody else? <laughs> but yes, I, I'm happy to be here. You know, you know. now Dave can feel what Derek felt all those years ago when another long-haired, arrogant prick who throws a super kick with his partner. Lucky okay, there was no barbershop window this time, Dave.
1: Hmm, that was my barbershop moment at TakeOver this weekend.
3: <laughs> not, not the same, not the same. It
0: was so much more predictable. Not the same! Than- so much more predictable at the weekend uh, Rounding off our panel He gets the joy of not getting a absolute savage intro Because it is his first appearance here on the podcast uh, One of the Founding fathers I believe of wrestling Travel, unfortunately he's a Kilmarnock fan so that's the extent of his Slagging on this particular uh, Introduction, it's Ross uh, Ross Alcott
4: Ross did I pronounce that surname right there sorry Yeah, Alcott, yeah yeah. Yeah, it's good to be here, um, give the podcast a bash. First one I've ever done. I've been asked to do quite a few over the years, but um never really got round to it. Um so time to give it a go and see how it goes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Did I, did you... Stephen did I hear that? I what? heard first time ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <It is indeed>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say <laughs> I thought you were gonna yeah. say about being a comedic fan since you're the half a commodity fan.
4: She's <laughs> just one of you ones. Everyone's got their sins, I suppose. Um, at least I don't support one of the old form,
1: the Twisted Sisters, so mm. That's that means Stephen in trouble then. <laughs>
2: oh, you guys.
1: Anyway, we're going to
0: get on to what people are, are tuned in to hear. Uh, it's us uh, talking about the Mount Rushmore of NXT. Now, as I've said, alluded to, we're going to be doing two separate route mushrooms. We're going to be doing a female version and a male version so pretty much one half of the show each will be do- talking about each Mount Rushmore so the way we're going to do that I'm going to ask my four panelists to quick, briefly give me the four picks for the Mount Rushmore's and then we're going to go into a debate for each of the halves on defining our overall NXT Mount Rushmore's for both the male and the females we're going to start with ladies first of course and we're going to start it off with Sarah here. So, Sarah, if you could please give us your four female Mount Rushmore selections.
2: Now, see when I was like trying to make my decision, I know you said if any four horsewomen were mentioned that you'd be mad, so that kicked Bailey off my list. So, my four horse, um, like not four horsewomen, but my Mount Rushmore uh, would have to be Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, and probably. It's like you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna put in Bailey. Bailey for me.
0: I didn't have an issue with people picking the four horsewomen. I would have had an issue if somebody picked every four horsewomen.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they, they didn't to. completely elevate NXT, but no, the four women that I picked, I I think did have a large contribution to the brand.
0: No, very interesting. Good choices there. We'll go into some of them in a wee bit. Uh, Scott, what was your four? Go for that
3: uh so i decided i was only gonna pick one of the four horsemen and i also picked uh bailey uh, for well, those two matches with sasha alone uh but, but before her and before the four horsemen it was Paige, first ever nxt women's champion i think she deserves <laughs> uh, to be in there uh, i also went with asuka and shana baszler two of the more most dominant champions in nxt history very
0: interesting we are seeing a pattern here, hopefully not too much of a pattern, or else it could be a short half of the show. <laughs>
3: uh,
4: Ross what about you? What's your fourth for the female side of things? Uh, for me I would go uh, Paige, Aska, Sasha Banks and Rhea Ripley, that would be my four. Hmm.
3: Nice. Ooh, very
0: good. And we've definitely stopped the trend, but not have three people picked by three people so far, so that gives a bit mm. more of a debate, thankfully. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave, take
1: us home. What's your four? Well, I've actually shot the system and I've ended up picking two of the four horsewomen. So uh so
0: pick, you picked Adam Cole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. My <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh <laughs> my women's picks, uh first one was a no-brainer, Asuka. Uh as as for mentioned, you know, longest reigning NXT women's champion also went undefeated as well. Uh my second choice was Paige, the inaugural NXT women's champion, and someone who also sort of smashed the norms of what a diva was like around that sort of time period. And my last two, I'm actually gonna give it to Sasha Banks and Bayley, purely because they almost felt like the two sides of the same coin when it came to the women's evolution in not just NXT, but WWE as a whole. Uh, They had two outstanding matches at Brooklyn and TakeOver Respect. And they were sort of parallels between the ideal face character and the ideal heel character for that time period so that's why i've gone with asuka sasha bailey and Paige.
0: interesting some really good picks there across the board uh, some ex- exclusions of course we have not mentioned but we will go into them in a wee bit the one standout name who's probably going to be our first uh, nail on for the mount rush for picked by all four of you is of course asuka and obviously she had that fantastic run with the women's championship uh, Ross I'll come back to you first uh, what was your main reasonings behind Asuka?
4: For me it was just an undefeated um, streak in NXT um, it was also like breaking the barriers between making Asian wrestling more mainstream in WWE I know they've had the, um, Asian competitors in the past but um, this felt like it was one of the, the first real mainstays and was making that dominant impact coming from a great Career in Japan, yeah, very much so. Sarah Asuka, obviously, came in with a lot of fanfare
0: at the time when it when it happened. Pretty much slowly, but surely, worked her way up to the top of that roster. And when she got there, you know, that was that was her division. Too much to a point in a way that by the time that she left, there was not much left of the division there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was very very similar to. What happened when Charlotte, Sasha, and uh, Becky had all left NXT to move to Raw SmackDown as part of the Women's um, Revolution? That there wasn't much a division there, especially like when Bailey was still there. And then it was the exact same when Asuka left because that's what you like build the division around. Uh, and at that time, Asuka, there was a big, big deal about signing her. Like I, I, don't think they'd had such a big deal about signing a women's wrestler before that, um, and like Ross said, like bringing that exposure from like the Joshi style wrestling, cause it's not something that a lot of WWE fans have been exposed to. Um, and I think like they, they did do like a really good job of bringing Ask in and then just sort of dominating after dominating. And I mean, not to mention like her her rivalry with Dana Brooke and Emma. One of the best things I've ever seen.
0: In fact, then you just put Emma on your list, Discuss me. But enough about that.
2: <laughs> you uh, could have contributed.
0: I'm leading the debate here. You know, I I could just throw it out at the end going, she's in. Nobody, nobody can disagree with me on it. Uh, Scott, uh, Ross mentioned that Asuka coming in began the kind of transition of all the Japanese wrestlers more coming in to NXT. I think that's a very important point because. It was mostly to, uh, just at that point in NXT's history won't really saw the, the homegrown talent coming in, but with Asuka coming in, that paved the way for the likes of uh, Kairi Shane and, of course, the current women's champion Neil Shirai to come in and pretty much make their mark on the brand.
3: Yeah, we, I don't think we had that many like, Japanese uh, women's wrestlers in the WWE in the past, other than like brief spells here and there, but obviously, like, their whole promotion's built around women in Japan. And so you've got these women coming in with great uh, backgrounds. Part of the reason I put Asuka on my list is because not only because she's the longest reigning champion, but I mentioned on the TakeOver Rival show a few weeks ago about how her beating Bailey and Dalla felt like the transitional period in NXT, where it was the Four Horsewoman era, and now it's the era of Asuka up until she eventually vacated the bill. And that's the thing with NXT is that a lot of people come in and they go undefeated for that little while, but you expect it to end eventually, and then they'll just they'll move on see where they go from there. Asuka like, kept going and going, and you kept thinking, gonna beat her it's gonna be nikki cross it's gonna be ember moon and then eventually i think it meant a lot the fact that they said like we don't even want her to lose on nxt even though some people who watch the mirrors are probably don't watch nxt we want her to come up so protected have all this momentum coming up and i think the fact that no one beat her and basically it did like impact the division given that they basically like oh the belt's vacated now now you need to fight for it because none of you were able to beat Asuka for it Hmm. But I think she definitely
0: left her uh, mark on NXT. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave. I mean, obviously when we're coming up with some Mount Rushmore, I think there's a lot of things that need to be consideration. And given a lot, even all the achievements Asuka had, all the, the, the people that she defeated, I think the fact that she did go undefeated in NXT would surely put her as a an absolute nail. But even if none of you had picked her, even if only two or three years had picked her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a testament to, to sort of how talented she is how, how talented she is, and how much influence she had over the NXT women's division. Like, I remember when you when we were discussing NXT Takeover Respect, uh, and this was Asuka, I think, going up against Dana Brooke. Like, there was so much hype surrounding her, uh, where I think people were saying like, she's not just one of the best female wrestlers in the world; she's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and. It's. Uh, I think the fact that she went undefeated for that length of time, it only asserted like how dominant she was and how much of a strong competitor she was. And she only lost that undefeated streak on the grandest stage at WrestleMania once she transitioned to to the SmackDown roster. But yeah, the. I think it was a guarantee. You know, she was going to be the pinnacle of the NXT women's division once the the four horsewomen had made that transition, obviously to to Raw and SmackDown respectively. So I think she did a, a fantastic job. Of taking over the reins as the dominant female competitor in NXT, when really before it was dominated by by four women.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So that's pretty much a nail on for the Mount Rushmore is to go for Asuka. I think we all agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So we're going to nail, nail that one. Put that one uh, down for that particular one. Now we've got. Two particular wrestlers who, may, who were picked by three of the four of you, so I'm gonna, we're going to quickly debate them each in their own. We've got Paige and we've got Bailey. Uh, Dave, I'm going to throw it to you. You picked Paige mm-hmm. as one of yours. Yeah. What was the main reasoning for Paige? Uh,
1: mainly because you know she was the inaugural NXT Women's Champion, and the other reason I think I mentioned it in my initial uh, sort of going through my list is that. She was sort of defined as the anti-diva, you know, the sort of anti-heroish diva, one that wasn't, you know, blo- the blonde, skinny supermodel type diva. You know that the the women of WWE were sort of accustomed to still having that that image about them, but the, in comes this uh, this pale, dark-haired, sort of gothic-looking diva uh, from Norwich, England, who just smashed the entire like norms and standards of what WWE perceived Divas to be and but the important the, the thing that made Paige stand out more was that she could wrestle like because she comes she comes from the famous Knight family in in England you know they're a very renowned wrestling family so she had the talent in her blood to sort of go out there and show why she was the number one uh female competitor at the time in NXT and yeah you know, even to the point you know where Stephen Merchant uh, is making a movie about her life It it goes to show all the trials and tribulations she's been through to get to WWE, so there's a lot of history and a lot of story behind her journey towards NXT, and I think it was just a cherry on top to know that she goes through this tournament, defeats Emma in the final to become the inaugural NXT Women's Champion as well. This was a time when they still had the Butterfly Divas Championship around, so it was sort of the beginning of the transition between Divas Wrestling and Women's Wrestling, and Paige was sort of the focal point for that so that's why i think he deserves to be uh, on the nxt mount rush of women mm-hmm. uh Ross, you also picked a uh, page is
4: there
0: any other reasons
4: yeah, i think uh, they've pretty much nailed it on the head there level champ um kind of broke down the barriers of what being the norm of a female diva was and diva as such yeah i think they've pretty much nailed that on the head with his list Mm-hmm. You, you, you tend to get this
0: with Dave Rossi. He tends to yeah. be both suck at all the points, you know. And you just have to get a going Yeah, yeah. He,
4: he, he was right. You know.
1: yeah, yeah, that's so. what, this is what an analytical mind does for uh, for a podcast. Unfortunately, I sometimes you know nail down all the all the discussion points. I he takes the hat off and his head just explodes. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> Every way, shape or form. Gotta keep, keep it contained. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: we've also as I mentioned we got Bailey uh, Scott Bailey you know, the most picked four horsewomen of the four for everybody here. What was your particular reason why you would favor Bailey over the other three?
3: I should be say about Paige, one thing uh, David didn't out I think it's worth pointing out, that Paige kind of completely no one else did, is that uh, she, before Kevin Owens showed up to Challenge John Cena, a year before, she shows up, once the Divas title, and is the only person, even though it's only for a few days, She's holding a NXT championship and a main roster championship at like the same time. And I think it's just important to, work to include her on this to acknowledge the stuff that she did in the division. Because obviously to remind people that there was a division before the Four Horsemen really took off. Because the only reason Charlotte won the belt in the first place tournament is <coughs> because Paige had to vacate to go to the main roster as Divas champion. But as regards to like Bailey, uh I think she was the one that people most got behind uh, in her time in NXT out of the four. Yes, she and and Sasha were both part of two of the best matches in NXT history, but I think it's the fact that Bailey was like so over that she seemed to appeal to everybody at the time. And I think the fact that she stayed in NXT for a while longer than the others, where she finally got her opportunity to be the figurehead of the division and then she eventually put over Aska to, uh, so that that new era could begin. But I think it's just I think a lot more people got behind Bailey because she felt like somebody the fans could see themselves in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Sarah, I think the the thing that would maybe sell a lot of people on Bailey for this particular list is with the other three, it was kind of like they were there as part of a collective, but Bailey was the only one of the four of them who had their own individual spotlight to kind of shine in. She held that title for pretty much about eight, seven, eight months, you know, and ran a division against the likes of everyone's favourite female wrestler, Nia Jax.
2: <laughs> well, see, see, when I was actually putting together this, and I was like, right, okay, who, in my opinion, actually contributed more to NXT? So at the top, it would have been Bailey, then Sasha, then Charlotte, then Becky, um, just because like Charlotte may have been the champion um, out of the first, like the first champion out of all of them. She didn't really contribute as much as what Sasha and Bailey did. Given that when, Sa- when Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky all left to go to Raw and SmackDown, Bailey was the one that was left to rebuild the women's division. Um, because like they had a few of the up-and-comers. Like you had like Carmella, you had Alexa Bliss, you had a whole bunch of people that were maybe not as ready. Was left. NXT would have went like the women's division would have went basically like the AEW's women division is now. It would have been non-existent. It would have been pointless. It would have been overseen. So I think like when Bailey stayed, just a sort of I, I don't know if it was through her own choice or through their choice, thinking that she wasn't ready. But I think it was it was a very very pinnacle thing, and it was needed, and um, just simply because you had all these women that we're still coming through the ranks, that we're maybe not ready, like Ember Moon hadn't even uh, debuted on TV yet, you had like Nikki Cross was still sort of coming up and she was going to be part of Sanity, you had Peyton Royce, you had Billy Kay, you had like Dana etc and obviously Eva Marie, we cannot forget, the goddess that is Eva Marie. Oh, I so, nearly oh, my lift. I know, she nearly made my list, she nearly yeah. made it. You're
3: getting <laughs> um, right. But- hell no I mean I I would not be in a podcast again if I chose
2: Nia Jax Hey, see I need a podcast about Eva Marie but well, that's another time
3: mm. coming for this Christmas <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean after two years of like deliberating and like politicking we finally got the Bella's podcast so anything can happen but anyway yeah I, I think, think in in developing what the women's division is now you definitely wouldn't have had it if it hadn't been for Bailey sticking around to sort of help, because they said it's like a women's evolution on the main roster, but all the women that were part of that revolution happening left NXT to go to the main roster, so where was this next brand of talent coming from? It was going to come mm-hmm. from nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, the big question is obviously, we've had three, three picks each for these two. Now, you maybe assume that we would just put the two of them on it, but that's not quite how we work. Uh, do you think there's any argument, folks, to have both of them on it, or do you think there's, there's potentially maybe one should be on it more than the other one?
1: Uh, see, I, well, I actually had them both down, so technically, by that logic, I would actually put both them on, because, you know, Sarah and Scott both make really good arguments for, for Bailey there, and... I know uh, I did. <laughs> yeah uh yeah i think bailey you know Sarah sort of basically said the argument for bailey herself but if i could just add in one more i think the you know fan reaction to bailey is a is a really good sign of how popular she was in nxt like take a look at takeover in london and even to an extent raw in glasgow like the fans would not stop chanting her name in the style of dj ozzy's hey baby and you know like when you've got creative fan input for one superstar in particular, you know that they're actually that damn popular with the audience.
0: Yeah, Ross, you yeah, didn't I'm have bail gonna... on your list, but you seem to be not no. in agreement with
1: Dave there.
4: Yeah, I agree with that one. I was at that Raw in Glasgow and it put Charlotte Flair completely off of track, the fan reaction, as you'll probably remember, she so was in the ring, just like dumbfounded, like she could not get a word out, and it clearly put them off script that. They had to go very ad hoc on that. Um, yeah, so that fan reaction, she so was over. Um, it's been the same with takeovers of have been to in the States as well. Um, it's always a great fan reaction to her back then and on the main roster. Mm.
2: See my yeah. argument always is with Bailey is that she was the female Sami Zayn. At that time she was the heart and soul of that division and I still believe like nothing against Paige. I just don't think she contributed as much because there wasn't many women at the time that could have challenged her, they had people coming in like Alicia Fox, Tamina, Natalia. They were already part of WWE for a long time. The only person that could have matched her was Emma. And that was it was basically them too. So yes, yes, stop, we stop all know that. you love her.
3: Granted, <laughs> Emma Emma's not on my list purposely said, like heal Emma with Daniel that is good. Bubbles popping Emma is Emma <laughs> get it. Yeah, like the, two,
2: the two of them are brilliant. The two uh, you know, the, were da- great. The
1: dance and Emma with Santino. Oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, if I could just, if I could play devil's advocate uh, in favor of Paige as well, just cause I think there seems to be a lot of support for Bailey here. Uh, Paige, obviously, you know, being the inaugural women's champion, I think she sort of set the stage almost for the arrival of the four horsewomen because at that time, you know, the, the NXT women's division was still sort of going through a, a reinvention sort of stage, not just the women's division in NXT, but in WWE as a whole. Uh, Paige was the sort of the one to carry it forward and then when she moved to Raw Smackdown that left an opening for more of these talented women to come in and then in comes the four horsewomen, and they're the ones to sort of carry that women's division scene for the next few years so in essence I think sort of Paige lay the groundwork for a lot of these women you know who we talk about today as we say as some of the top not just female superstars but top superstars in general for WWE as a whole so having her pave the way for these uh, for these women to get much more focus on the women's division itself. I think that could be a reason why I think Paige should go up there uh, just as much as See, Bailey does. My one my one downside on Paige is she kinda came
0: in at a point I know you kinda said that she kinda pioneered the whole thing and I'm a big Paige fan myself, I'm not disagreeing with her Candidates, candidacy, kind of get my words out there for this particular slot. But you know Bailey Cape was at that point where she was the as we've well mentioned, the one who had such popularity that she was kind of the one who helped the progression from the Horsewoman into kind of the next era where it would become that kind of big thing. I mean, I'm not going to just on a popularity point of view on his own because we went for people who were over with the crowd. We would have Ty Dillinger on our list for the males. So... I don't you think words? anybody has picked the perfect 10 because he's far from the perfect 10 in AEW, but hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a 2.7. I mean? <laughs> He's, a, he's he's good, Sean Spears. Don't get me wrong, he's a, he's a good guy, but they're just it's just not happening for him down there. Uh, I personally would say I'm not dis- I'm not saying we, we leave Page out, but I think we I think we should maybe bench Page for the moment. And um, I would slot Bailey in definitely as that second pick. Do we have
1: any disagreements on that? No, I think that's fair enough. But I think if if we're if we could still reconsider Page maybe later on, that would be okay.
0: I'm not ruling really Page out at all, Dave. Not absolutely. That's fine. I don't yeah, just that's want cool. to chuck the two. I don't just want to chuck the two of them in there, because that would mean we've got one slot left for the for the other, everything else, mm. because there's a big bit of everything else here. Uh, obviously, you guys have all picked certain people. I'm going to briefly talk about two names that he's missed out and have been alluded on so far. Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Now, mm. I'll be the one who says it. Everybody knows about my fandom for the man. I'm going to there.
1: Uh, she did hee-haw at nxt I'm yeah
0: sorry, hee-haw at NXT.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the yep. only reason i didn't that's the only reason i didn't consider becky is because i think she had the least impact of all the women we've discussed so far but she but she was sort of a slow burner over time she's now the most talked about women on uh like raw and smackdown whereas nxt you know i think she was still finding her footing and didn't really make much of an impact but yeah. scott charlotte flair i was
3: gonna say i was gonna say but quickly about becky she belongs nowhere near the discussion for for NXT, for all time women's wrestling or like the main roster definitely yeah. but like I said on a of Rival show she should have stayed in NXT a few months longer than uh, and then joined Sasha and Charlotte later and if she had then maybe we talk about it but like the strength of that match with Sasha and Unstoppable is not enough for probably be considered like saying somebody had a good match in NXT is like saying the sky is blue you know it's just it's just not enough Charlotte I think the order that Sarah put them in and the point I think is very accurate, because Charlotte did more than, than Becky, that she won the, the title. But she wasn't quite the sh- like peak Charlotte yet, you know, she was she was Charmalion, not uh, Charmander, just yet. She became Charmander, maybe in the lead-up to WrestleMania 32. That's where you got, the fil- she fully evolved into her true form.
2: You just did a backwards evolution there, but not the point. Uh,
3: are,
1: you, are, you just, are you just trying to build on that? Are you just trying to build on that? You're just trying to build on that Pokemon analogy we made at Over Rival on the TakeOver Rival show, didn't we? <laughs> hey,
3: sorry, I got it. She was Charmander when she won the title. Charizard, uh, Charmeleon during the middle of her run. We're up to 32, she's Charizard. I've not, I've not watched Pokemon in years, I forgot. You're the youngest of all of us here. <laughs> and your point being... I'm
0: gonna say you, you, of all, you of all of us should Shut know up, the most of Pokemon. <laughs> anyway, back to the wrestling. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, Charlotte, yeah, you know, second <laughs> second ever women's champion, kind of took it on from Paige, kind of le- led on. I mean from the shadow of a uh, Summer ray, who was a leader of that stable originally, you know.
2: Christ, she should have made my list and off. <sighs> she was that close. Um, no, same with Charlotte. Like I think the analogy that I put earlier is incredibly accurate. Just. Because there was not really any personality to Charlotte at this point. She she won the title. She was the second ever NXT Women's Champion after winning the tournament. Obviously, it was a great match for her and Natalia. But at that point, there wasn't really much else to go on. Like, she was a babyface for a wee while. Obviously, coming away from the, the BFS, one of the greatest stables ever. Um, but, yeah... She, it was sort of like bland she hadn't really found her personality in like, ring absolutely fine like I've always said that Charlotte is one of the best um, WWE grown talent because we all know that she didn't wrestle before she came to WWE like she's a proper product of them it's the same as Randy Orton she's a product of them so when it came to like promos or paying attention like I didn't really pay attention to Charlotte like as much as I wanted to just because it it was mainly all about her but when she was champion it was all about the four horse woman at that time there wasn't really any depth to that so that's why like I, I wouldn't put her on the Mount Rushmore for NXT just not NXT Charlotte no
0: I mean mm-hmm. You talk about, Sarah, you talked about Charlotte's character not being developed in NXT, but Ross, one of the characters who was developed, the other other part of the Four Horsemen was Sasha Banks, where she moulded into that boss character from that same stable that Charlotte was in. So
4: she's been picked on a couple of these lists and she's got to be a great show. She's one of the greatest um, women wrestlers of all time if you categorise her as that. Some of the most memorable rivalries in NXT you would call Sasha Banks and... Her in-ring work superb. Our promo skills are on point. So yeah, for me, she's a she's a certainty on that Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Dave, you also put Sasha on your particular list. Uh, I did. Yes. I let you. I let you reply to Ross this time. After previously, where <laughs> you took all the points <laughs> and you you would add on Sasha for a potential yep. pick.
1: Yeah, I think you said it best. You know, the evolution of the boss character, I think is what really made Sasha Banks stand out as well. But what really pushed it over the edge for me was the two matches she had with Bailey. as I said before, uh, Brooklyn, uh, that outstanding match, which I think Corey Graves said on commentary when the other two women were in the ring with them at the end of it, he said, now that is a women's revolution. None of that pitch that Stephanie McMahon's going on on Monday Night Raw at the minute. So it's... Uh, put on the list. She, she <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the two matches with Bailey, you know, they were they were like the Rock and Austin of NXT almost. Like a, a classic rivalry that delivered some really memorable, outstanding matches. And obviously, you know, the, the boss character itself, probably one of the best heel characters NXT's ever produced. So that's that's what sort of pushed it for me for Sasha. You know, a combination of great matches and an excellent character.
3: Uh, yeah. What this discussion is saying to me is that we should definitely... Be putting Summer Rae on the main rush <laughs> we here she hit yes. Asher on the path to become the boss as part of that that group and she had a really good match with Paige for the NXT Women's Championship but Summer Rae get her on there automatic no discussion I mean no but no <laughs> a,
0: a name who probably should be considered as one that a couple David of years Campbell will
2: hear about this
4: <laughs>
2: David
0: Campbell can kiss my backside uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not I'm not going to say that because he actually would try it. I know he's what he's like. What would It's Dana! It's
2: Dana!
0: <laughs>
4: it's Dana. Uh,
2: Dana.
4: Uh, Naya Jacks quote there. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stephen, you were saying. Anyway, yeah,
0: some, somebody who should be considered as Shayna Baszler, uh, Sarah, you mm. know, mm. If we're talking about recent errors, you know, somebody who would absolutely dominate, Shayna Baszler is a fantastic shout.
2: I mean, of course, I put her on my list. So, yeah. But <laughs> in all seriousness, like, not like inflating my ego. When Shayna Baszler being introduced, being part of the May Young Classic, like that was a big moment. Uh, especially with, like when we, we were speculating, going, "Who is actually been signed from the May Young Classic? Who's going to get signed? How far they're going to go?" But. When it, it was also the fact that people were talking about at this time, like, Ronda Rousey was supposedly coming to WWE and whatnot. It's like, oh, this is the mixover between MMA and wrestling. But people forget that Shayna had actually quite a decent wrestling career before she came to NXT. She had, had tours in Japan, tours with Shimmer. So that, this was like a really, really big get. And when you need the biggest heel move and Shayna was just that person. Like NXT's women's division was lacking that really badass heel character. I mean she terrorized Dakota Kai to the point that Dakota was just sort of snapped and went mental. Right? Uh, but she also oh it, it was just the dominance and the fact that her and Kyrie Sane were representing NXT Evolution, which I'm still campaigning for that to not be a retired pay per view. Like Shayna, there's no doubt about that she should not. Like, there's no doubt she should be on this list.
0: Hmm. Uh, Scott, you also put the Queen of Spades on your particular list. What was your thought process on that?
3: Uh, I think in hindsight, I mentioned when we did the first ever like Me on Classic show that when you really look at it, she should have won that tournament considering I uh, like how she before Kyrie who won it went on to win the title first and then they two reignited their feud and had that match at Evolution so then they had a 2 out of 3 falls match at War Games that I think a lot of people talk about. So that's quite like an underrated feud and she was basically she's the one that kind of sent Nikki Cross back in from the main roster almost we had Nikki kind of smiley right before she passed out and like <laughs> what really like really what I like about Heels is when they have a really good move that's protected and everybody kind of fears you think oh they've locked that and it's it's over and when she had that clutch you always know like oh god like nobody gets out that yeah Bianca Belair yeah the, the future Io Shirai not being able to beat her set her on the path to being Io Shirai that we know now and like how over where Ripley was when she came in to take out Shayna because Shayna had been so dominant I won't talk about her match with Reckoning AK, and Miriam that was the weakest match of our <laughs> bloody title reign Uh but yeah. I think she did what uh, Asuka did, but she was a heel throughout her run, unlike on, on, Asuka who became heel midway through, because there were people who legit didn't like her coming in and taking the title, and she embraced that, and also she's a leader of one half of the... What, she led one team in the first ever Women's War Games as well.
0: Yeah, I... I am very much swaying towards Shana, but she's a person myself here for this particular list for the reasons that we've been mentioned. She, Dave, you don't look too happy.
1: No, 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 no. I was just saying, uh, it's just because
2: like, I'm winning.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying I didn't have her on my, on my list, but she, I think she just missed the cut because if it, if I was only allowed to pick one of the four horsewomen, Shana would have been on there. Uh, but you know the. You know, Scott made a lot of good points, you know, and Sarah, you know, mentioned, you know, she was the top heel that was needed, you know, when Asuka was sort of the top face beforehand. This was like a new direction for NXT that the the champion was a dominant heel and that, you know, she just plowed through everybody in the same way that Asuka did. And then it only took a, a really exceptional challenger in the form of Rhea Ripley to dethrone her. And she also holds the record for longest reigning, uh, like longest total cumulative days as NXT Women's Champion as well, so that's a, a very good reason to put her up there as well. Yeah. So least, even though I don't have her on my list, I've actually been swayed now to actually support Shayna Baszler to go on that. On yeah, that um, as well. I mean, you she know what else? Marie is the only two-time champion.
2: She was Charlotte. the first ever. Charlotte uh, two-time two two time. Time as well. She was she was before
1: you. Yeah.
0: It was yeah, the first Charlotte's, Charlotte's second round sucked So it. so that's part of the reason on that one There
2: was a first ever
0: that So we've got one more space Shana takes the first spot Which leaves us with one more particular spot on it Now we've mentioned a few people uh, A couple of names we've not mentioned The guys brought up Sarah mentioned Io Shirai I love Io I don't think it's quite there yet for her I thought her first year mm-hmm. kinda lost her on it, I'd agree. Yeah. Uh Ross went for a bold though in via Ripley.
4: That's uh, Yeah, I think it's well justified when you think about it. The time where NXT was moving off of the development brand into mainstream T V, um she was the forefront of the the women's division in NXT. She obviously had that great triple threat match with Charlotte and Sasha um just before Survivor Series 2019 in Chicago Um, she she obviously won that match Um, on the Saturday night she was the captain of the women's war games team, Um, she won that, then the very next night again on Survivor Series she took Team NXT on and defeated both Raw and Smackdown, so that weekend that was the real launch point of NXT moving off that development brand into the third brand and she was the forefront of that women's division at that point, when it was more mainstream than ever.
3: at first, when you when you brought that up, I was like unsure as well because while she had a good run, I think when you compare it to other people, I wasn't sure. But then you think about it, expand beyond the NXT even Full Sail. We know we think about NXT UK first topic, first ever, first ever NXT UK she champion. A run that not enough people talk about. I don't think because I think the main reason they gave her that belt is like, oh, everyone thinks it's gonna be Donny Storm. So Swerve, it's actually Rhea Ripley who's the champion, and then they had her lose to Tony Storm at TakeOver uh, Blackpool 1. And it's weird when you think about it that, at the time, it looked like Tony Storm was going to be the one they were pushing, and yet when you compare what each of them have done, really so far, in the career, I think Rhea Ripley's really surpassed uh, Tony Storm by quite a large margin. Mm. See, I think Rhea Ripley, definitely
1: a very, very good choice uh, to go up on the Mount Rushmore as well, but the, the one thing that's really hold me back from supporting her is I think she peaked in NXT too quickly well I mean she was obviously going to be the one to throw in Shayna Baszler but I think she, in the grand scheme of things I think she actually lost the title just as quickly uh, when Charlotte Flair defeated her at Wrestlemania only for then uh, Io Shirai's stock to rise and you know she became you know the the dominant woman of, of NXT at the time and to this day like, at time of recording she still holds the NXT women's title and she holds a major victory over Rhea Ripley uh, towards the end of 2020 so I think the, the problem with Rhea is, I mean, while she's had a very, very good run in both NXT and NXT UK, I think she. My argument against her is, is she plateaued too quickly and has sort of been. had a bit. It was a bit more sort of toned down in the latter stages of her NXT career. But that's not to take anything away from the fact that she's actually one of the most accomplished female superstars in NXT and in yeah. WWE. It's a, I
0: mean, Ross made a great state for it in terms of it. It's just whether well, it's enough to put her above page and Sasha mm.
4: you yeah, know she, she, it was a development brand at the time and the way she really put on the map when it was going into its TV deal in the States and it was our obviously the War Games match it was 4 on 2 she led the team to the victory there bet both Raw and Smackdown at Survivor Series bet um, Charlotte and Sasha on a triple threat on uh, Raw main TV so like in that Couple of weeks spell back in November 2019. That that summed it up for me. Like she took that brand from kind of in the middle to it, the top tier brand as a third brand, and it's a TV brand now. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Sarah, what's you, what do you think? Do you think the way Ross just described Riya Ripley? Do you think it's enough for her to kind of surpass Sasha and Paige and this fourth on the list? <sighs>
2: I would say, see if we've done this show like in you know, maybe like another six year, six months to a year. Definitely. Absolutely. But I think when you compare putting, putting up against people like Paige being the first ever uh, NXT Women's Champion, like being like the sort of focal of the start of the division. And then you have people like Sasha, like a name that just barely made my list or it was nearly made my list was Ember Moon and um, just being another one just to sort of help pioneer but I think like her and Rhea are sort of on the same par but I don't think right now it like the name like I would say maybe in about a year's time absolutely freaking lovely absolutely just I think like she's, she's not quite gotten to the sort of best part of her career like she's literally the way that that woman's evolved is the first time we've seen her in the Mae Young Classic like when people compared her to Charlotte like because she did, she looked like Charlotte to now you're just it is like a completely different person and she's found yeah. herself I would say maybe six months from now
0: yeah, yeah some great points on that one there I mean the fact that we're very very close to putting Rhea in that one sums it, she was not a name I would have thought of when we came into this show so mm-hmm. it's a very, mm-hmm.
4: for me I was at that full weekend in Chicago and it was she was brilliant like mm-hmm. Five reaction mm. reactions, brilliant to her at the State in Chicago. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that's why I kind of stuck her in there. No,
0: it's a,
4: it's a,
1: it's a fair shout. Uh, it's, it's, it's a whole new experience when it's a whole new experience when you see them in person as well. That's where you can mm-hmm. really feel how connected the audience is to her. Yeah, like, we, like she was at the NXT UK Glasgow tapings as well, and even though she cut a promo, I mean, that's that's all she did. She still had that commanding presence about her.
0: Mm-hmm. So this as a sure, sure. But I do think it's going to be between I think it's between Banks and Page, personally for that final spot. And we seem to be quite it seems quite tethered on it. So I'm the kind of round this off. I think I might do a bit of a tiebreaker on this one and go through the points because there's been points made for the two of them. Obviously they were both part of very early NXT in terms of incarnation. Page obviously the first champion, and Banks obviously was champion number three part of the four horsewomen. Both played very integral roles in building that division. Both very credible choices for this particular one. However, one of the things that we Sasha kind of didn't brought up—Rock did make a movie about Sasha Banks. I'll
3: just say that. It's
0: <laughs> a very good movie. I, I, I really like the movie. You know, Rock's also cousins with Nia Jax, and we're not putting her on the fucking list. <laughs> um,
4: I'm even the moment much more about to be number one. Oh, very much so.
3: Up there, Nick. In between uh, Sid and the Rockmaster.
0: I, I think they are both merited picks on it. But personally, if I'm going to be a bit of a tiebreaker here, I'm going to go for Sasha. I think we go with Sasha in this well, one. Okay. I think they're both very credible on it. However, Dave, you made a great point about plateauing. And mm. I think as great as Paige was in the very early stage of NXT, she, she left too soon. Like Becky did, mm-hmm. and also she, you no, know, that injury pretty much granted for most of it, but she very much plateaued after it. Well, Sasha has skyrocketed, and I think Aight, for that enough. particular reason, I think we've got to go with Sasha Banks over page on this particular
3: one. Which, I means... think to be fair, when you look at it, when, when arguing about like Bailey and how why well, she should be on there, when talking about like when trying to bring up those branches in Brooklyn, out respect it, was hard to argue her over Sasha because I think they both played. Mm-hmm. Such sort of an integral role now that I think when you look at it, you probably couldn't have had one without the other. If you took one of those two out and put someone else in those matches, they probably wouldn't have been the same. So I think at the end of the day, I can see why we went with Sasha. Mm-hmm.
0: So that means that a female NXT Mount Brushmore is Asuka, Bailey, Shayna Baszler, and Sasha Banks.
1: Fair enough. A very Congrats, strong list.
0: Ve- very, very strong list there, particular. So It's amazing that eat sleep suplex retweet a podcast that puts charlotte flair on their overall female route rush war has excluded her from the nxt one but (laughs) (laughs) as you have said though her and becky's main roster run is probably really really credible but Mm -hmm. the nxt run not so much (laughs) we move on now to the male route rush war and i'm going to do exactly the same thing i did with the female one everybody give their picks Gonna do it in the opposite order. So, Mister Hockney, please mm. give us your four, and please tell us how many of them were in the undisputed era.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the undisputed era. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start off uh, with the current NXT champion Finn Balor. Like, one of only three people to be a two-time NXT champion. He went to Raw SmackDown. He then came back to NXT as well, which shows how much of a of a of a contributor he was to that brand. Uh, And he's got a couple of other accolades under his wing, but I'll get to that in a bit more detail as we go through the the discussion. My next choice, Johnny Gargano. Like, Mr. Takeover, Johnny Wrestling. Uh, Responsible for being the first NXT Triple Crown Champion and one of the most uh, best-loved superstars of the entire brand. Like, people have been chanting his name probably as much as they were for Bailey. like, in, in a lot of ways. My third choice, Tommaso Ciampa, his DIY tag team partner at one point i would argue that he was the best heel character that anywhere in wwes produced for the last decade and he and johnny had one of the best matches i've ever seen in my life when they did the new orleans unsanctioned match that was just something to behold so and he has that sort of anti-hero sort of gimmick going forward now which is why i mean it was a bit tricky to think you know could anyone else uh, overtake him but i think no he had way too much of an impact for the title itself, and I think that's why I put him on there. And my last pick, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, is Ty Dillinger—no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, it's Adam Cole, of course. How I mean, dare you
2: do have a 13! 13!
1: <laughs> no, th- this was the biggest no-brainer for me. The last one's going to be Adam Cole, like longest-reigning NXT Champion, founder of one of the greatest factions WWE's ever produced. He's a Triple Crown Champion, first-ever NXT North American Champion, and has produced some of the best quality TV that NXT has produced along with his, with his three brethren of Undisputed Era. Like, that one, he would, I know I've said him last out of my four picks, but he was my number one, always.
0: Interesting. Some interesting choices there, Dave.
4: Uh, Ross, what's your four?
1: There was some similar to Dave, but I'll change it up just for the topic
4: of discussion slightly. So I would personally go with Finn Balor, definitely. I'd also put Nakamura in there, Kevin Owens, and the one and only... Sammy Zayn. Ah, oh, great choices there, great choices, love it. A lot of
0: bit early day NXT on that one, I think I uh, can't have this discussion without Sammy in there, but yeah, very good choices and a bit different kind of error wise from Dave there which is good to see.
3: Uh, Scott, what's your four? Um, when racking my brain for this, I sadly left Jinder Mahal off the list even though he was <laughs> the one who selflessly lost to Seth Rollins. <laughs> so he can become first NXT champion, but just you wait until NXT India really kicks off and he carries that brand on his very large, not at all roidy back. But let's uh, go through. First off, we'll start with somebody who's already been said by both Ross and David and Finn Balor, because you know, two time NXT champion and like look across these two runs very, very different they are. Uh, secondly, I would also go with Johnny Gargano because I was going between him and Ciampa and you know, he's basically a guy who embodied. And in some ways I'll get into them but I think he played the role, same role Sami Zayn did I think he did it a lot better than Sammy Zayn did and I'll explain live later on. Uh, Kevin Owens I've also said because for the reasons that we talked about on the Rival show and like I referenced earlier, he showed up on the main world, he fought John Cena, beat John Cena clean, he was the first guy who really showed up with the NXT title and made NXT feel like it should be taken with respect compared to Ron and Smackdown and I way I continue going with all the same people as everybody else, so say so decided throw a spanner in the works, especially when Kwaku for the overall men, men's mount works through Vince McMahon in there. I'm going to throw ah. William Regal in there. Ah. William Regal, the greatest <laughs> authority figure in, in modern history, if not all time. He was also the commentary for for a while, underrated in commentary, like sure. when he went Oh yeah, rotten kill, when Charlotte betrayed <laughs> Bailey in a tag team match, and also has any authority figure announcing a match been memed as much as William
0: Regal saying Oh guys <laughs> I mean, you can get on a you can get on a Mount Rushmore just for War Games alone. But like, <laughs> 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 I, I, I knew somebody was going to fling in an, an, an authority figure of some sort. So, so yeah, William Regal, fair enough. Uh, Sarah, take us home. What's your for?
2: It's <laughs> my pick. I was actually <laughs> going to pick William Regal. I am not lying. Like I was discussing this with Daniel and it's just like what about William Regal and I went huh seven years as GM hell yeah so yeah like could you imagine NXT over the past seven years had JBL still been the general manager no 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 right so yeah William Regal um, I do agree with Scott like I was going to throw that spanner in the work it was either going to be that or Triple H um, but I thought William Regal would have been like a little bit more you know better because we all know NXT is Triple H's baby um My next pick would have been uh, Sami Zayn. Just, I've said this on our past NXT shows, that he is, at at that time, he was the heart and soul. Without a doubt, everything revolved around Sami Zayn and that underdog story that he had until he finally, finally got the title. Like, I don't think anything could compare it early NXT. And then another comparison I've made is Johnny Gargano being this era's Sami Zayn, the heart and soul of NXT, like you had the old, the older generation to the newer generation, like they were, they are the exact same. And yeah, my other pick would have been Finn Balor, and um, just obviously with his first reign, it was a really, really good over the top baby face, like beating um at Beast of the East to get the championship. Like he had made his name in Japan, so that was like a really fitting thing um to like his matches with Samoa Joe and then winning the Dusty Cup together uh, that was just that and then him returning to NXT which everybody would know that I, I cried at especially when I saw him in Blackpool I cried Um and it just him reinventing himself to like that heel character it's been flawless like he was done a dirty on the main roster he was done dirty by I mean, everything that had been done to him so him coming back to nxt to sort of cement his place and going nope this is my brand i it's remember
3: different... being I remember, sorry, I remember being in blackpool as well i was kind of bored with me and roster Bowler, and i thought his entries went on too long but as soon as he came out i was there with everybody else <laughs> my arms up in the oh, air and i was
2: crying i was rough. crying I in the you know in that ballroom yeah. i was crying i don't
3: don't was like don't love his main roster run everyone was on vacation nothing happened yeah. I mean to so, further uh, argue, of... argue about William Eagle. to further argue about William Eagle. he is also a trained number of these guys who come to the PC <laughs> and as we've seen on Breaking Ground he taught us the importance of stepping forward with your left bloody foot
2: absolutely one,
3: how well they
4: kept the Bala secret for Blackpool like I was doing some media stuff that day and I was looking <laughs> in the back backstage area and not once did you see Bala that was okay. Mm-hmm completely under
1: wraps yeah i remember i was live tweeting that night as well for the the podcast twitter at suplex retweet uh and i remember i was like you know that feeling when you, when you smack all your fingers on the on the keys and it just comes out just yeah, yeah, it's gibberish yeah that that's what i was like and i remember the phrase i typed was thank you uncle paul like it was just a a really genuinely good surprise to see him appear against jordan devlin
0: i mean i mean you, you, you talk about guys doing, <laughs> dirty. I mean. Where the feck is Bo Dallas on this bloody list, guys? Come on. We didn't we didn't believe. Was in number it was a uh, five for me. It was number no, five. Um, some um, some fantastic some fantastic choices on this particular list and of course you've very rightly got has kicked off with the one who you've all picked is of course the current champ Finn Balor. Ross, you, you mentioned the best kick how great a secret I was at that takeover of Blackpool, but you talk about two completely different sides of his character—the way he's kind of worked it in both his runs. You know, he's—he's he's a logical choice, cause especially the fact that he went back.
4: Yeah, he's—he had that. He's had a very good face character and heel character. He—he like he transcends so well in both of them. He's always been over the fans. He's great entrance, loved by the fans. But in ring, he's also incredible. I remember him. His ICW days—a lot of you guys probably will as well. Really, ICW nice <laughs> Come on to the main roster, NXT. I had a good conversation with him at the first War Games. See when he was in the crowd and they panned the camera to him sitting front row. Like, you'll see me right next to him. Well, I was in the seat next to him at that War Games. But I had a good conversation for about 10 minutes with him about ICW NXT. Really good guy. Yeah, I think he's one of the nicest guys I've met in wrestling. Plus, he's in. Iron ring works incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Uh, Scott, not a fan of his main roster entrance, but his first run in NXT. I mean, the way, unless I'm in the crowd to do it then, and I don't know he's coming, then. Uh, the way that he's uh, his demon type aspect on his original NXT was very good. It was very well done, you know, and that helped him, I think, in that original run. I remember his first match, uh, it was uh, the Ascension versus him and the deal with Tammy, now known as KENTA uh, uh, it was a fantastic um, that entrance was amazing and that was just a staple of his run down there first time
3: yeah that was the thing with his entrances Like whenever he was on takeover like you always wondered what is he going to come next he had the Jet the Ripper thing for takeover London he had like the Texas Chainsaw kind of thing with, uh, when they were in Dallas but it did kind of fall into this repeated pattern on the main roster where you, kind of, you overly relied on it and he showed that he, he can do good matches and have good feuds without it. And his NXT run that he's doing now, I just wish he would stop making references to cats or something like that, saying so, you know, "Oh, when the cats <laughs> away" or something like that. Like, what does that even mean? You're meant to be you're meant to be a cool baddie, been That does not sound cool at all. And also, why is he holding a makeup like this all the time, as if he's Cause he's, a, he's a
2: gangster. Like
0: he's a gangster. He's a he's a gangster with uh, Sarah with <laughs> fantastic abs. And a glass jaw, apparently. <laughs> I love,
2: I love how you keep doing with that.
0: I mean, his his, his his matches now compared to his matches, main roster, and his first run. are like chalk and cheese.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I'm not completely watching his abs, like we've already established this on past shows. That I am, obs- I'm obsessed with the man. Everyone knows this. But I'm obsessed with.
3: You don't have to watch them; they follow you around the room like the Mona Lisa's eyes. (laughs) I know,
2: right? (laughs) But no, I'm obsessed with his dinosaur tattoo. First of all, like his wee dinosaur tattoo on his arm—that is, I want that tattoo. But yet, no. See, the the like the sort of ferocity in his matches now. Like, it's more like he's not scared to be himself of what he was like in Japan. Like his matches now do remind me of a lot of his New Japan stuff like early Bullet Club days um, and I think thankfully he did team with Hideo tammy coming in because again they wrestle the same kind of style and it did help but it, it the fact that everyone knew who Prince Devitt was um, and changing his name to Finn Balor yeah not that bad I'm not mad that's it um, but in terms of like matches like I would say he's definitely developed, especially when it comes to wrestling for TV. Like that's what I think is that's that's been his journey. Um and the matches now that he's like been having with Kyle O'Reilly is some of the best matches I've ever seen him put on. Yeah,
0: it's some fantastic stuff and I think he is rightfully a nailed down pick on our particular Please. list. Now hmm. for our second pick.
2: William Regal I'm, gonna,
0: no, Regal. Uh, I'm sorry, I get the comparison events it's not, the same. Mm. Not,
3: not the same. it's
1: not the same. Well, I mean, it's it's okay, I guess. But I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's okay, I guess. But I think it's because you know William Regal wasn't the original general manager of NXT. I think if I think you missed the trick here. I think if you'd gone with Dusty Rhodes, maybe then I would have probably been drawn into it because obviously the Dusty Cup has become a prominent feature of NXT and it's still around to this day. So he was the original. Uh, general manager of NXT and he was the one that helped elevate the character spirits so yeah I would have chosen Dusty Rhodes over William Regal unfortunately but unfortunately he's uh, he's not on my list either But so I think I, you two have missed the trick there
0: I am going to for this second pick I'm going to put you between two because I think we've all got a common theme after, other, other than Bala and it's that baby face character who comes up from nothing Johnny Gargano or Sami Zayn We can't have both We need to have Gargano. one of them Can. Scott, yeah. <laughs> I'm to go to you, Scott, I'm going to go to you Because you did say that you had a reason Why you would pick Gargano over Zayn
3: Yeah, because I, well, I think They're both part of very similar stories Like Gargano and Ciampa and Zayn and Owens And I think could, like, even though most of Hardcore and uh, x would know their history On the Indies like Gargano and Champa didn't have that much History as rivals on the Indies they still managed to tell one of the best stories, long term wise, that WWE in general has had in a long time. Like, you talk about best stories, the 2010, I think, right up there, above everything else, is Gargano versus Ciampa. Even though life seemed to constantly throw shit at them whenever they try to do their blow off match. Uh, and I actually enjoyed the one final beat, like, cinematic match. A lot of other people didn't seem to, have I enjoyed it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Gargano. Like he, he is Johnny Wrestling, he is Johnny NXT. Whenever, in the last few years whenever people think of Gary Gargano they think, uh, they think NXT, they think, one of the people they see is Johnny Gargano and well, he's someone who doesn't really need to go to the main roster, whereas Sami Zayn then got injured if Sami Zayn got injured, then maybe I'd put stop putting that thing towards my face
4: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez Yeah, Percy's
0: uh, <laughs> Ross, you met me no Gargano, but you've had
4: Sami Zayn. Yeah, that like he's the original one. Like, if you look at the full Gargano champ story, it's no different to what it was with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Originally, it was that love hate relationship. They tagged well together. They had some great feuds together. For me, they were just the original love hate relationship pairing in NXT. And his matches were great. Like, the one I remember most was his one against. Nakamura takeover um, WrestleMania weekend. That that was incredible. Um, the atmosphere was uh, unreal during that match in that arena. Um, yeah, that's the one that sticks out for me. But for me, yes, yeah, as, as original Gargano and Champa storyline, it's just a mirror image of what um, they two were um, Owens and Zayn back in the day. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, see that you had the two of them on your
2: list. As, you to, I'm sticking to by.
4: If you have to pick
0: between the two of them.
2: Don't you dare make me pick. Don't <laughs> don't dare say we'll get angry at you. Right? Well, is that the an mad office? octopus. It. it is an octopus. Alright. It is a reversible hey, octopus. It's a display my my emotions. You watch yourself, McLeod. But yeah, no, I can have both because it's my it's my Mount Rushmore. I can have both. Your Mount Rushmore is stupid if you're making a pick.
0: Well, yeah, that's <laughs> the point. It's it's not all we can't all agree on everything, you
1: know. Can I be uh, a tiebreaker really? here?
2: No, you cannot. Oh, you go,
1: Dave. Go and you go, son. Right. Well, I I went with Johnny Gargano over Sami Zayn, largely because I think Sami Zayn, you know, I think he was too heavily bogged down by injuries uh, during his time in NXT. Like, he, and he jumped to the main roster just as quickly as uh, you know a few other NXT superstars did. You know, he went to challenge John Cena for the United States title, and then obviously he was out for so long. And he, but credit where credit's due. I mean, Ross mentioned his match in Dallas against Nakamura. Like, that was arguably one of the best matches I've ever seen so it's easy to put him up there as well Um, I think he he came as too much of as as an underdog for me you know when his initial run uh, I don't know it was really hard it was really it was really difficult just to sort of you know get into his groove until you realized oh wait that's his that's his gimmick he's meant to be an underdog and he's scratching and clawing his way to the NXT championship but even just as soon as he won it he only lost it two months later I think it's one of the shorter NXT title reigns that I've seen
0: it's absolutely pop
1: yeah, like, but why Johnny Gargano does it for me? Look at the kind of matches he's been having on NXT. With DIY against The Revival, two out of three falls in Toronto, classic match.
2: Stop mentioning the
1: DIY! The feud, with, the feud with Adam Cole, like, one of the best feuds ever. The New Orleans fight with Champa, one of the best ever. But one, I think, that's not yet been mentioned, the five-star classic match in Philadelphia with Andrade. The first WWE five-star match since John Cena vs CM Punk in 2011. Like, he was part of that match. And he is also arguably the best babyface character they've had alongside Bayley. Like, he's like the male equivalent of Bayley. Like, everybody in the site, everybody in the audience are holding up the you know the, the face with the, the winky eye on it and stuff. Like, that's how much influence he has over the NXT audience. Like, how much he's adored by them. And he's obviously heavily adored by his peers as well. And I think this, that whole commanding presence, plus the amount of five-star matches he's produced for NXT and it's, he's one of the reasons why I think takeovers have become like the reason why they're outshining main roster pay-per-views.
3: Scott, did you have a point? Yeah, I was gonna say like the chav match also got five stars, so that's a the thing there, like WWE hadn't had a five-star match since 2011. And in the space of like three months, they had they had three of them. Two of which involved Joey Gargano and then him v Adam Cole take over New York a year later was like five and a half I know five star day Meltzer it's all subjective and all that but like even then talking about the championship like, that was actually more competitive than all that whereas Sammy got battered and then he got battered again oh, unstoppable I know he was injured and all that but I don't think we got a proper payoff until they went to the main roster whereas they get the sift with Champa going you didn't need to know a lot about who these guys were before they teamed at DIY, I, you had that match with Week Classic together. I will um, to settle this one. I was going to go with. I love this. I loved
0: Sami Zayn stuff. There's points that Ross made were bang on about Sami Zayn as well. But I think I would edge it to Gargano for the one particular reason. If we're talking about NXT, Johnny Gargano's current run would edge it for me because they both had fantastic matches. They both are fantastic baby faces, but Sami Zayn did not have his heel character until he was on the main roster. Whereas Johnny, with his current heel gimmick, has worked fantastically well. And I think as an all-rounder, I would put him on that one for that particular reason. Although mm-hmm. it would be tight, so I think I would go with Johnny for my, for the next one. I think first, first triple crown winner in uh, history. You got to consider that as well. Yeah, absolutely. For the next oh, one, I think we need to only person only person to hold a single title three times. Yeah, he's got the accolades, to be fair. The next next one, I think we need to consider Kevin Owens. But I wouldn't put him straight in there. I think we need to kind of consider him against a name who I'm going to throw out there that no one threw out there because I want to talk about people from the kind of more early side of things. Ballard's got the bits of both. But I would throw him in there, and I would also throw up against him the Bastard himself. Uh, he's known now as Pac, but he was known down there as Adrian Neville.
3: Not a name mm. any of yous have brought
0: up, but a man, if we talk about pioneering that, that brand, he was the man in 2014 to
2: 2015 down there. No, yeah, I was going to say him, to be honest, but... Mm. I, can,
1: I can see where you're coming from, but I just feel like, you know, with the, with the way NXT's come so far since, the, you know, 2012, since its reinvention, I think there's just been a few a few too many people that have actually outshined what guys like Pac, Sami Zayn and even Kevin Owens to an extent, you know, sort of set the groundwork for.
3: I mean you have to say talk about accolades, yeah, we had technology was like first ever like two time champion, like he held the titles twice to different partners. We all remember him and Oliver Grey, we all remember them, right? That great tag team. First ever no, time champion. British Everybody, ambition, no, me British ambition, man. They beat the Wyatt family in the finals. <laughs> See, uh but yeah, I agree that he had a great run at that ladder match with Bo. That Fatal 4-Way with Breeze, Zane and Tyson Kidd was really good. It really helped actually reinvigorate Tyson Kidd for a while. But I think as soon as he lost to Zane, he had guys like Balor, Hideo, and Kevin Owens coming in. So Neville was kind of swept aside for like these last few months until he went to the main roster. And I really think that he was somebody who should have came back at some point if he hadn't left when he did. Like doing like the heel run that he did to the cruiserweights back down in NXT, I think that would have been great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ross talking about
0: Kevin Owens. I think one of the points Scott briefly mentioned was the fact that when Kevin Owens was the champion, I think a great thing that he did was he went to the main roster and he had that feud with John Cena. And I think if you talk about guys who pioneer a brand, Kevin Owens doing
4: that is the perfect example of it. He was a great wrestler. You think of honor days under Kevin Steen, he had a good um, fanfare there. Nick Mullet WWE it was a big signing. Um his matches in NXT were solid. Some of his matches with Sami Zayn as previously mentioned are incredible. Um the original the champ on Gargano story, as I'll reiterate. <laughs> um mm-hmm. they were yeah, he was just brilliant. Some of his matches with Samoa Joe were great. Um his matches with Neville were good as well. Um yeah, he's a solid body of work for them when he's come up onto the main roster. Obviously, challenging John Cena, beat him clean on his kind of debut show on the main roster. But even how he's just... He's constantly always been popular and over. Even his time with like Jericho doing the Festival of Friendship, that was over as hell. And even now, the full storyline with Roman Reigns, he's he's always been relevant ever since he's left NXT. And not many people can say they've left NXT and been at the top of the product consistently where Kevin Owens has. Mm. See,
1: I, would, can, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, if I in total yeah, like if I could play devil's advocate to that, I think what you've just described there is that he's one of the most consistent performers on the main roster, whereas I think his time on NXT was like almost cut too short. Like, so he, in a way, he sort of spent more time, you know, evolving to become this great character on the main roster as opposed to NXT, which is why I kind of left him off the NXT Mount Rushmore, because even though his initial run was, was great, you know, he became the NXT champion pretty quickly, he almost went to the main roster just as quickly. And I think we didn't really get enough of him in NXT to really appreciate him as one of the, the pioneering figures of NXT. I get, I get that point, Dave, but I think you got to look
0: at the fact of impactfulness as well. And I think he
3: yeah. was very impactful when he was there. Scott? Yeah, I was going to say, to play devil's advocate, yeah, to Dave's devil's advocate, to agree more with what Ross did. I think it's because we are so used to, as fans of NXT, to see them great running NXT. And they go to the main roster, and they do nothing. But Kevin Owens, within a few months yeah, he didn't win the US title, but then a couple months later, he's Intercontinental Champion. He's it's like, it's part of the alarm match for you. He feud with Sami Zayn, Universal Champion. So he's one of the few people to buck the trend, I think, in terms of like the booking, because anything he's given, he makes work. And I think with his time in NXT, I think he's actually, he did something that a lot of people should have done. Like maybe Nakamura shouldn't have stayed in NXT for a whole year, maybe he should have went a couple months early. Because some people go to NXT and they're already main roster red. I think Kevin Owens was. And so they don't need to be there for that long. I think they perfectly rounded up when it's down there. When he lost to Balor at Brooklyn, that was the perfect time because there probably wasn't anything else for him to do. And late like to NXT, one of the biggest pops pre, like in the last few months, where we had we really have fans in the at wrestling shows. His return to NXT for War Games to face Undisputed Era as part of Team Jemper.
4: Yeah, that pop was insane. Like the the went off the building. Mm.
1: That's yeah, that a, is a good I
0: point. Think. Actually, I would. Uh, I'd say Kevin Owens is a stick on. In, Based in on the it, point,
4: he's match against Balor. Even he lost the Beast from the East match in Tokyo. That, that was brilliant as well.
0: <laughs> I think he's I think he's a, a shout based on the impact he had in such a short time, how much he built that brand. I mean, we talked about Rhea Ripley in the first half of the show, and Kevin Owens is an example from the men's side of things. So I think... Uh, did, Rhea
1: go on, did Rhea Ripley go on the women's Mount Rushmore, though, as a result?
0: But the reason we left Rhea Ripley on it is because she was still quite raw. Kevin Owens is far from raw. This was about five, six years ago, this was all happening. He's been solidified, mm-hmm. so I think we're going to need to go. I'll go with Kevin Owens as number three. Number four has got a lot of debate though. we still got some names in there. Regal. We talk... We're not putting Regal on. <laughs> uh, we've got the names we've still, the, the guys I've mentioned. Biggie. I was going to actually say
2: Biggie. Tyler D- Breeze. Oh, oh <laughs> Boom. Right, I'm
0: going to, ch- I'm going to chuck some names out there. We've mentioned. No, yes, oh, not him. Let me speak. Let me speak. Uh, Ever. Nakamura Chapa, <laughs> and Cole have all been mentioned other names I might chuck out there Alistair Black Andrade mm. Samoa Joe who's been mentioned Austin Eris no he's a <laughs> not him everybody loves Austin that's man. why there's one them. name
2: that I refuse to mention so I
0: mean, we talk about Impactful as well I'm do my time. Drew had an impact Ricochet mm-hmm
2: Triple H.
0: I'm not putting Triple H. I'm not being that predictable on a Mount Rushmore that we had Vince and Triple H in the two ones.
1: You could you could put any member. You could probably put any member of Undisputed Era up there as well. But if not you don't Bobby, member,
0: not, Bobby not Bobby Fish. Not <laughs> Bobby
1: Fish. Not Bobby Fish. You say what? If he, you give it six months to a year. I think you could put Ky- you could argue to put Kyle Riley up there because oh, he was. Yeah. I mean, he was the first. Three, he was the first to time NXT Tag Team Champion.
0: I, I'm gonna chuck a name out here. See if he's agreeing with me
1: potentially
2: on it Keith
1: Lee Keith Lee, like Keith, Lee. Oh, <laughs> Keith was a very very close one Double Champ I, yeah. I, think, I think it's just because his, ini- his initial run you- just start with his initial sort of few months to a year sort of fell a bit flat and he was sidelined with injury a bit so he had to sort of rebuild all that momentum again but that's not to take away they he had some cracking matches with Dijakovic and he is the first obviously of course the first double champion
2: Can't we just I mean, put Master Champ on this and just you know
1: uh, uh, uh. Can't just put Tommaso
3: champ on it, right? You cannot, have, from...
1: you cannot have NXT Mount Rushmore
3: without Adam Cole, baby. Absolutely, put, yes, you can Guys, why can't we put just one of the best enhancement talents in NXT history on here, Cassius Ohno? Ah. Can anyone tell me a takeover
2: wasn't? Uh, no. But it says, can we? Ha- can I actually just put forward the tag team?
3: We
0: yeah,
1: have a tag right. Team on him What's that? Sorry, Pete
2: they are two people, and I would pick The Revival.
1: I had a feeling you were going to choose The Revival, but there's only one spot. You can't exactly fit two people in one. You just take half their face each and just squeeze them on. I'm
2: so Bobby. freaking lucky.
1: Bobby Roode. The glorious one. See, I, I, see I would say Bobby, Bobby Roode. Mm. See, I think the only the only thing that really great because thing about Gloria. Bobby Roode... Any, yeah, because of his glorious theme song, but aside from yeah. that, oh, nothing really spectacular.
2: How? You know what, actually? Barring Corbin... <laughs> mm.
1: What about yeah. you're not making this easy, <laughs> are you?
0: Wait, what? What about Damien Priest?
3: Oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh. ah, ah, ah,
0: Damien Priest. Oh, <laughs> I just wanted to hear you somebody do that. <laughs> nah, it's not Damien funny. Priest, sorry.
3: What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> that thing? I said that to him first. I like, I like this when Damien Priest comes in. He's taking that as his bastard name. Oh. You you say that like your, you you that like your brother doesn't nick everything and every part of everybody else.
0: I mean, come on. I, I, do, I still don't I, think he did the fir- he ran the first sweep, but hey ho. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to the names that you guys mentioned that haven't really been talked about yet. Nakamura, Champa, Cole, Ross, Steve, I not a, it. R- Ross. I
2: mentioned this.
0: Ross, I mentioned I've not talked about Beagle. Uh Ross, I mentioned this on a past show, so I'm gonna put it in here. The Nakamura debut <laughs> match was amazing, as you mentioned, but I just thought the ring got quite flat the, the ring got quite flat in the last six months which would maybe lose it for me on him
4: yeah I, I can agree there I just feel he was much like when we brought up Asuka he was one of the first real big Japanese male wrestlers that was very well known I, IWGP and all it and that continental champion everything like this the fanfare it came with him he was such a big signing for NXT and I don't think he was ever signed just to be that means the NXT character he was only in there for a few months to develop his English um, until he was game roster ready. And as soon as they could put the rocket to him they did. Um he's match with was it uh who did he lose the title to was Bobby, Bobby rude yeah. Bobby rude at um NXT Takeover in Orlando. Um great match. Um he probably ended on the right way. Um then that was him off to the main roster. And the pop that he got on his main roster debuts and same when Miz and Maurice were kind of doing the John Cena um, gimmick and yeah I just think the overall presentation of Nakamura solid great ring work obviously you can't comment too much on his mic work because it was non-existent for a long time especially in NXT but yeah he's just a solid worker for me and I hope we're starting to see the best of him back on the main roster now he's ditched yeah. that. um cool character because I don't think I ever saw him
0: yeah definitely I think hopefully we are starting to see more of them we mentioned it on our Nakamura show that we did in December that we hope he's going to get something for him but just something about after that
4: first match Nakamura theme song being glorious like it was meant to be aww <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that he's got the theme tune back uh, I'm personally going to put it down
0: between Champa and Cole Dave is the only one who's picked them both. <laughs> and he's completely,
1: and he's completely, and he's you know completely what? torn. Now listen, if I have to choose between the two of them, it'd be Adam Cole. Well, can, I, can, I, can I present my case? You've got a minute to present it. Go, and then I'll go to the other guys. Right. Second ever Triple Crown Champion. Longest reigning NXT Champion in history. He is responsible for one of the best factions that WWE's produced in years with the Undisputed Era. All four of them held championships at one point in 2019 and into 2020. He is the first ever NXT North American Champion, which he won in a five-star classic ladder match with five other very credible contenders. The very same night, he wins the Dusty Cup with and the NXT Tag Titles, quote-unquote. Uh, he goes into one of the best feuds with Johnny Gargano. Uh, Two out of three falls in New York, already a classic match. He has that one-on-one TakeOver 25. Like, still one of the best near-fall finishes I've ever seen in my life. But that three stages of hell match where they do the cage of death, I would class that as one of my favorite NXT matches after the unsanctioned match between Gargano and Champa. And that spot at the end where they dive off the cage, like, it's just one of the most charismatic, entertaining, and incredible superstars that NXT has to offer both as a singles competitor to her as a faction guy oh
0: i just muted his mic and he finished uh... <laughs> <laughs> well if there's, right. can...
1: <laughs> hey, if there's anything i can if there's anything i say i'm always on time right
0: i'm going to go to the rest of the guys to kind of close we up the mic right here Right, right don't just do this to wind dave up right be genuinely honest because if we could wind them up we would not pick Cole uh... <laughs> personally
4: you would go Cole personally you wouldn't? yeah I would it's cool for me I would later
0: yes Ross Ross is clearly not experienced not had to listen to Dave go baby for three years so <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Sarah genuine honesty on this one who would you pick between Champa and Adam Cole?
2: I would still pick Champa, but not just based on like the matches that he had against Johnny Gargano but also the fact that DIY God bless, like, you know, God bless their soul and everything, um, elevated the tag team division when there wasn't very many people to go up against them. Uh, I mean, like, the triple threat match that they had with Arthur Payne and the Revival, great match. Even though just the matches that they had against the Revival at the time, there was not many tag teams, and that, this is me just putting forward to Master Trampa as a tag team wrestler and a singles wrestler. There was just, like, Undisputed Era, nothing against them absolutely nothing against them and Adam Cole it would it would be like a big toss-up but I think just because it's always been Adam Cole and the undisputed era whereas like see now now that he's going off in his own or probably it's going to be like the gold version and the red version or something like it was like what I said reveal at Ripley See six months down the line of Adam Cole maybe being on his own hell freaking yes but because he's always been with the undisputed era whereas has managed to establish himself as that tag team wrestler and then plus his work, his work on Twitter for that nine months you've got to give it to him you've got to give it to him just for surely that wind up on Johnny Gargano for the nine months that he was out because he wasn't even on TV and he was still relevant.
0: Interesting. Scott I hate to put you in an awkward position but you're the tiebreaker here for this final spot (laughs) who are you going to go with? Are you going to go with Tamaso Champa, or are you going to go with Adam Cole?
3: I feel like Vince on the same old cast raw. The fate, the very fate of the of the Mount Rushmore is in my hands.
2: William uh, Rico
3: no, <laughs> he's not an option. Uh, I, these two, I, if I could have my way, I'd have both of them on. Champa, on the one hand, I think he, he got to He and Gergar both had suffered from measure where they were both put together so often that it was hard for them to break out. From just like seeing as the guy who needed the other. But, Undisputed Era, I honestly believe, best faction debates had in so long. Like, best since The Shield or Evolution. Like, they are a modern four horseman, in my opinion. In terms of stature, not in terms of quality, because Roderick Strongboyfish, meh. (laughs) But, if you can only have, you need to have at least one of them on, and if it's gonna be one of them, there's a reason he's the leader. He was a proper choice to elevate the North American title. It took him too long to get the NXT detail because he was a top guy long before that. Ah, Adam Cole, baby, <laughs> boom!
2: At least it wasn't Dave that said the baby bit. I'm, I'll, I'll let Scott have it because I've I'm, I've heard it for way too long with Dave. So I will accept this it. loss.
0: So there we have it. Tough one, but we now have both. Our Mount Rushmore so to repeat the one from the first half our female Mount Rushmore was Asuka, Bailey, Shayna Baszler and Sasha Banks and now our male NXT Mount Rushmore, Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, Kevin Owens and Adam Cole.
2: Don't you fucking dare.
0: <laughs> I nearly said it there, I nearly said it. I think it's fair to say, not the easiest choice of the Mount Rushmore's but two very strong Mount NXT Mount Rushmore's that we've selected here for this particular show, the joy for you, the listeners, is you do not have to agree with us. You can disagree with us. You can debate with us. That's what social media is for. So please, once you've listened to this, go on to Facebook, get on to Twitter, put up a picture of you looking angry on Instagram, and tell us you're Mount Rushmores of NXT. So please, at retweet on all those social medias. You can just interact with us in any form of way. We are always on there. If you've enjoyed this particular show please find us
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, seriously on the twitter <laughs>
0: Please hit that subscribe button if this is the first time you listen to us and you've enjoyed the show. We do loads of content on not just NXT. We do stuff on WWE, AEW, pretty much anything. Current wrestling, old wrestling. We've got so much content. We've got our ESSR Central show, all, all the weeks using wrestling, which comes out every Thursday. This is the ESSR Feature Show every Tuesday. We've got lots, and I mean lots, of great content coming out on the feature show in March including next week, where we'll be doing our review of Season 3 of GLOW. David Cabell is back for that, so (laughs) that should be a treat. We've also got our show on this year's Royal Rumble winner, EDGE. We've got our interesting look at the final year of WCW, 20 years on from that company's demise. And of course, we're heading into WrestleMania season, and we've got a couple of shows this month on WrestleMania. We've got... A review, a look back on arguably the greatest WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 17. And we'll also be looking at WrestleMania matches that should have been. That's all just coming up in March here on the feature show on ESSR. So much stuff there. Please also find this YouTube. Quiz Showdown is there. I'm hosting one. It's there on Legends of Wrestling. I'll be on the YouTube channel. If not now, very soon. And please watch... The Book It Tournament to see who David will face in the final and also Conspiracy Theory with the goat the four-headed one himself, David Campbell Until then and from The Incredibles That's what you <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's terrifying Until then I'd like to thank my panel for joining me for this particular show These NXT shows are always a lot of great fun uh, David Hockney, thank you Thank you very much To Scott McLeod, thank you very much Thank you very much,
3: ladies and gentlemen games.
0: <laughs> to Sarah, thank you.
2: My campaign will continue.
0: What one? William Regal or Summer Rae?
2: Christian oh, for Hall of I Fame. <laughs> My Christian for Hall of Fame is the most important one. But Eva yeah. Marie, Summer Rae, William Regal. Can this Mount Rushmore be, you know, managed by William Regal?
0: I don't know, You could be the sculptor or something, I don't know. <laughs> you could do something It could be in Blackpool Who knows And um, to Ross On his first appearance Here on the podcast Ross thank you You're already our favourite Of the two Rosses That we have on this show
2: You survived
0: <laughs> Anything From us Here at ESSR I've been Stephen Wilson And we'll see you next time
3: I am
1: Jack Graham I am Scott McLeod And I'm David Hockney And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history
3: of podcasts Saturday Draft Live You can share in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Saturday Draft
1: As always you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms